0: Welcome to the Tumbleweed Podcast, where we discuss an eclectic range of topics, including business, design, Texas
1: culture, and everything in between. We're two teachers that turned a side hustle into a nationally known apparel brand, and now we work with some of the biggest names in Texas. We strive to never stop exploring and continue to draw inspiration from our adventures. So, drift and explore or raise a glass.
0: We're always ready to hang out and talk about the things that we love. So, come roll with us as we drift and explore.
1: All right. Good morning. Welcome to the uh, Tumbleweed Podcast. What's up, Brian? What's up? How are you? Good, man. Monday morning, you know, um, it's the first Monday I've had to actually go to work in a few about about a month, you yeah. know, since the Christmas break and everything. So uh, definitely the, uh, you could tell it was a Monday because of the, the traffic this morning. Uh, there were some crazies out there driving. I mean, I almost got ran over once, yeah. I know for sure. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Oh, so- I like your... Uh, coffee mug there i didn't notice that too i know um, uh,
0: compliments of uh junkie trinket hustling uh some coffee mugs out yeah. on the uh, estate sale line. I
1: think I found that at an estate sale. It was an Alamo cup, which I saw first. And then your name was on it. And I'm like, well, I got to buy it for Brian. Yeah, so. For sure. I don't know how old that thing is, but it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um,
0: well, it's my go-to mug now. I know Tumbleweed, we sell some pretty cool mugs, but this is my uh, Saturday and Sunday morning coffee mug. So.
1: Good. That's That was 25 cents uh, well spent, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's good. <laughs> or whatever it cost me. I know it wasn't much. I wouldn't yeah. spend too much, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, Cowboys are done, looks like. So This is football true. season for the locals is over.
0: I know, I, you know, some of you listening you might be a Cowboy fan, you might hate it, but since we're in Frisco, you know, it's the Dallas Cowboys, but I like to think of them as the Frisco Cowboys. Oh yeah. They're based right here, so
1: based right here in town, so there'll be a lot of a lot of sad folks here in town. Um but yeah, it's always more fun when the Cowboys are winning for sure in Frisco. Yeah. But uh
0: but, hey, let me ask you this question. I saw your tweet last night. The best part of the game was the uniforms. Yeah. Who who had the better uniforms? I'm Cowboys? A uni- I'm
1: a uniform guy.
0: Cowboys or that other team?
1: Uh, I th- it's not more about, like, who had the best. I think it was the combination of them okay. together playing against each other. To yeah. me, it's kind of like when UCLA plays uh, USC, those Color combinations I like, right? So I'm not going to say who had the best looking uniforms. I'm just going to say the combination was was appealing to my eye.
0: Well, let me ask you this: What are we talking about today?
1: Well, I thought we would talk about work. Okay, <laughs> and work since it's a Monday, you know, it might make more sense to talk about work because we're back at it, at, okay. the, at the grind. But work and then lessons and things that we've learned through okay. work through our years. It's kind of a little bit of background.
0: All right, I know. Up to this point, you know, we've had some amazing talks between us and uh, Sharon, and uh, we've had amazing interviews with uh, Joe Zavala and Lee Gonzalez from La Finca Coffee, Uh, but, you know, we thought it would be a great day, time for just the two of us to hop in and get beyond just tumbleweed textiles, talk about kind of our journey that got us to where we're at today. Um, But it is a new year. And so I want to ask you a couple questions about your personal life. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Because um, we chatted yesterday when we met up over at the True Texan or True Texas uh, H-E-B barbecue. Right. Um, but I, I didn't ask you these. Um, but for you, like, how have you kicked off the new year? Do you have, like, specific goals or, like, resolutions or things that you like to do to kick off your your new year, specifically here, 2023?
1: Yeah. So usually, well, this, this particular year, I've done it for the last couple of years. I've done like a dry January where I've tried not to have any alcohol at all.
0: So. Man, that, that was tough. I saw that you went to pedicose the other day.
1: I, well, I know. I, I did break it for for one drink. Um, my wife kind of twisted my arm and I, I did that, but then I was back on, you know, okay, okay, back on the wagon after that. But, uh, so it's been, you know, 20 something days, which, which I'm not, I don't drink a whole lot, but just to not have any, uh, and then also trying to eat a little bit better, a little bit more protein in my, in my lunch and things. And yeah. I'm kind of doing an intermittent fasting where I'm not eating until 11 or noon every day. And then I stop eating around six. So huh. I go for 18 hours without eating. How, how's, how's that going for you? It's going good. I mean, I feel, I feel great. I feel physically pretty good. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely something I think I may just keep up. Yeah. Well, see well
0: for me, I'm not a big like resident, like new years. Like these are my, th- I I'm a, I'm a very goal oriented person year round. So like I, it's hard for me to do the January. I'm going to do this just cause I kind of already have that. Going year round, it doesn't mean I keep to my goals. Like working out, I always want to work out, but I never do. Uh, But for me and Hillary, of course, uh, through my faith, you know, I'm a big believer in like tithing um, and your first ten percent. And so, I've been trying to think of like my first ten percent of the day, making it water, uh, not coffee, or just making sure I'm intaking the first ten percent of what I'm doing in the week uh, to be rest sleep working out things that are a lot healthier than just my coffee beer whiskey wine dang boy queso uh, nachos whatever for sure and so that's kind of my goal for this year not necessarily a resolution is to uh just better treat my body so i can have
1: better health right we bought a rowing machine over christmas okay who was that was that yours or your wife's idea it was my wife. Was She mentioned being interested in maybe starting to do okay. rowing or something. I'm like, really? Okay. So um, found one on Facebook Marketplace. Okay. Nearby neighbor. Okay. Guy that you know. Big deal? It's pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. yeah he he gave, me, gave me a little deal on it. So Carrie's been working with it every morning. I haven't jumped in there quite yet. Yeah. Um, but she's been rowing every morning. So it's okay. something we have upstairs. So i cool. definitely, it's, it's kind of like uh, that house of cards, you know? And Yeah. President would be down there rowing, same type of deal with the water and stuff. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes.
0: Well, I had a little little health scare recently. I went to a little urgent ER care, and unfortunately for my new year, I kind of got pushed into needing to have better health. You know, yeah. so I'm not. I don't have a row machine or anything like that at my house. But my goal, I want to go get a bike yeah. and uh, start riding a little more. And uh, our neighborhood just built a good cool trail that goes what to us makes me feel like we're out in the middle of nowhere it's still the burbs. Um, but I'm hoping to get out, work out a little bit.
1: Yeah. I think that's always a good thing to start the new year off. Just a little workout, eat a little bit better. Yeah, um, yeah. Good way to start.
0: Well, that kind of transitions me into what we're talking about today. And I knew what we we're talking about today, of course, but you know, management, I've said this before, uh, my previous boss from the marketing world always shared like, what is management? And it's, it's knowing where you're at learning from your past, but ultimately it's knowing where you're going and building a bridge between here to there. And management is, is the process of getting over that bridge to hopefully your destination. And uh, for us, I think as uh, from where we're at, at Tumbleweed textiles as the owners of a company that has evidently grown and has had amazing opportunities, amazing experiences With you on the latter end of your career in Frisco ISD and education, it's easy to stop and stare from where we're at and look backwards and think, man, a lot of our opportunities, a lot of our successes, a lot of our failures, a lot of things have come from moments of our life that at that moment we didn't realize what it was. But now looking back, it was a blessing in disguise that helped was the catalyst to get us to where we're at today. And so as, as we're discussing today's, it's not about work, but it's about how did we get to where we're at through the experiences of life. Right. And so for you kind of opening them up, um, you know, how do you want to kick this off, um, to kind of share maybe stories and things of your life that's helped you get to where you're at
1: today? Yeah. I mean, I think we could step back to kind of just my upbringing, uh, to start with, I've mentioned before, you know, I'm the son of a high school football coach here in Texas. And so work ethic, you know, yeah. hard work, putting in your dues, working in extra time, you know, in the weight room or running. That kind of stuff was were, was things that I saw as a as a young kid, even when my dad was coaching high school and I was in elementary school, just being around that, um, the, the work that he put in for game planning, all those things you know, I think laid the foundation for me. And then of course, when I was able to play for my father uh, in high school um, with my dad being the head coach, you know, I had kind of this little extra, like, I need to be the first one in the gym. I need to be the first one here. I need to be the last one who leaves the weight room. I need to try and do the things, set an example and put the work in to set the example that my dad is trying to teach everybody. For sure. Um, so I kind of felt that. Um, and I knew that that was just part of the way that, that things worked. Uh, back then, of course, the importance of family, building yeah. a team, that kind of stuff.
0: Well, um, it was for athletics, uh, obviously, you, you know, you you have the story of, uh, you know, Coach Matalich, the the OG Coach Matalich, um, being the football coach and, and the things that you've learned there. What was your first sport that you kind of kicked off in youth and uh, in amateur sport?
1: Right. I think my first sport was one of the only ones that you could kind of do back then was like soccer. Okay. So I did soccer yeah. like in third and fourth grade. Um, yeah. My dad was really strict about you're not playing football until they have it at school. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So I never played peewee football. I didn't play football till eighth grade because right. we lived in Lufkin and that's the first year they had uh, football. So it's probably was no business for me playing football anytime before that, because I was about as big as a pencil. <laughs> I was so skinny, very skilled and fast and could catch and throw and all that stuff. Right. But I was like, I could get broken in half really easily. Yeah. So Eighth grade, I still was very skinny and then kind of developed. I still was skinny all the way through high school, but uh, yeah, well, soccer was my first sport. Played a little bit of baseball, guess, basketball, so- then hit that till seventh grade. So, all right, you know,
0: for me, soccer was my first sport. Actually, my father was still active in the Air Force, so my mom was the one that had to take me and she had no clue, right? And because I was the kid that would dive and be crazy and just throw my body anywhere. I I just was a daredevil. uh, Exactly. Like my son, Luke, he's, he's insane. He loves diving and running and jumping and he'll do anything. Um, But because of that, they put me at goalkeeper. And so, and I'm short now comparatively to you and, probably the average man, I guess. I hate that. I'm, I'm a short person, but, um, I was actually the, always the tallest at that age. So, oh, wow. uh, but it's amazing how that helped me learn quite a bit, even at a youth age of goalkeeper. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and more defense, I was always actually a defensive player and even going into youth sports and, and even into high school and I played, you know, soccer, uh, and club soccer and things. Even though I was an offensive player by position, I always approached everything in a very defensive way. Gotcha. Um, and is I think it was because my first position was goalkeeper. Yeah. And um, so, anyways, totally random, but yeah, um, that, well, that's where I got my start. And you
1: mentioned like growing up in a military family. I'm am assuming a lot of the things that you saw in your dad and just like the the structure of his life. Yeah, you know, something that's probably rubbed off on you as well. Well, for
0: for sure. I mean, our personal life was very much the same way we had to run our, my athletic life. I mean, with my family, sports was a job, right? So there might be a difference here of how we were raised in a sense. Like with my dad, if I scored one goal, he was not happy unless I scored two goals. And if I scored three goals, he was not happy because I didn't get an assist and three goals. But the funny thing is looking back, he's like, hey, that was me pushing you to be better. Right. And his biggest thing was never settling. Um, and so being in that military family was – if soccer practice was at 6 p.m., we were there at 5.10. I had to have my own warm-up, and I had to go out and practice for my practice before the, how the practice wow. began. Oh, wow. And so, and that, a lot of that did root from being in a military family. And if, you know, if the coach asked us to, uh, hey, who wants to be the first one to do the drill – my dad would be the one with his arms crossed expecting me to be the first one to take on that drill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And if everyone was leaving for a water break, he expected me to be the first one back in my spot after that water break, you know? So the military family of uh, excellence and kind of authoritative leadership and do what you're told. Don't ask questions really did translate into my life. And I look now as we're talking, looking back, I'm like, man, that's, exactly why I am the person I am today. Very yeah. linear, a type detail oriented. First one there, last one to leave. Um, so that military family really was a blessing, but also might cause a little of my anxiety that I have today is uh, I am a perfectionist. Right. Um, but what about you? How, how did your dad approach? Uh, cause it also being a coach, there's a high level of excellence, but also you know, you're close to him because in high school sports, middle school sports, he's actually there in the hallways at school. He, he knows and sees what's going on. Um, how did he kind of guide you through your, your, your sports career in middle school and high school?
1: Well, he did a really good job. I think of leaving everything on the field. Yeah. Like when we at home, it wasn't like we were watching game film and he was harping on things that maybe I screwed up on and things like that. Um, I will say this, um, Effort was usually never the issue, like aggression and effort and like competitiveness. I was never, you know, told that I need to get more aggressive. I need to get more. That was never the issue. It would usually just be tactical stuff. I was the quarterback in high school. And so, you know, there'd be times that I'd screw up. He'd chew my butt out, you know, on the sideline. And then, you know, we'd lose the game or we'd win the game, whatever, you know, what happened. But it wasn't something that we dwelled on, you know, and took home. So I thought that was... Kind of good, and there were there were um, I guess higher expectations maybe on me. Like I felt a little bit more of the pressure, but I kind of looked forward to that because I enjoy the athletic competitiveness of it. So I wanted to do well. I wanted to, yeah. you know, so effort like I said was never usually the issue with me. It was usually just screwing up or going so hundred miles an hour too fast, doing something right. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll stop and think right now. So just in a little bit of what we discussed of our sports you know, like upbringing. Isn't it incredible now when we both look at who we are today, how much I'm a mission driven, uh, task oriented, big picture person. And you are very much a detail. You're the artist, right? You're very detail oriented. And sometimes you don't necessarily look at the bigger picture, but you're very much in tune with the little details, right? And I don't know, by no, by no way do we know that there's a correlation to our upbringing, but I would venture to say that the way you were raised even in sports at a little le- at, 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 uh, youth level and the way I was very much has paved the way to our mindset today yeah. um, is it, just, you know, and, and when we look at that, us as parents now, how has it affected you with, with, your, uh, with your son and daughter?
1: Yeah, I think I've kind of taken the same approach. I haven't really pushed them into, you know. Yeah. But I was always around athletics. I was always encouraging them to give their best, put in their effort, you know, work, do the extra work, do the, you know. Yeah. So a lot of that's rubbed off on them. You know, my son has already graduated. He's playing intramurals now in college, so he's loving that because it's a little bit less structured, I guess. He can right. kind of free fly and shoot, shoot the ball whenever he wants to, and then my daughter runs track. so. Trying to get her to understand that, yes, those morning workouts are terrible. They're not fun. But in the end, you know, the payoff, you know, your times will improve. You know, you'll get better. You know, yeah. you'll see that improvement. So,
0: Well, from sports takes you into, the, let's say, the high school world, the world of your life, New Braunfels. What high school did you go to Smithson again? Valley High Smithson School. Outside Valley. Outside of New Braunfels a little bit, yeah. Was, was, was y- Y'all weren't the unicorns, were right? were the Rangers. Rangers. Yeah. The, unicorns the unicorns
1: unicorns was... were our uh, big rival. We okay. did not like the unicorns Okay.
0: Course, the Rangers are better than the Unicorns. I
1: know,
0: I know, no doubt. Ours, uh, I went to North Crowley. Uh, so ours was, we didn't like the Crowley, the original, I know, but the Crowley Eagles. So, um, but how did you going into high school get involved beyond sports? Like, were you involved in certain organizations or different things like that?
1: Yes, I was. I was real active in, um, like the Technology Students Association. I was also, um, the vice president, class president, vice class, vice president, my sophomore, junior year. And then I ran for class president, my senior year, nice. one, one class president, my senior year. Uh, looking back, I may not have done that because right. then I had to set up all the reunions, uh, since then. So yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, you don't know the hard
0: part is the, uh, the reunions.
1: Right. I didn't know but 30 years later I'd be trying to figure out a reunion or something.
0: So. I, I was a class officer too, but my best friend Chase luckily took on the, uh, two of our class reunions at the tenure and then the, the, the later was right on the same month as a ch- one of my babies being born. Wow. So it worked out perfectly. Okay. So I was like, Hey, I can't go chase. Can you take care of it? So he, he's the one that had a plan all of ours. Okay. Um, but in those, how did that kind of uh, build up your leadership?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was definitely at a young age kind of thrown into, or I took on those roles, but I mean, you were the ones kind of meeting with the teachers, planning the, the dances, planning the fundraisers and things for, for the, for the students and kind of being the leader of the class. Yeah. Um, the things that we did now, nowadays, you know, at my high school, now that some of the stuff that they do is way beyond what we were doing uh, as the, as the class president. But I was kind of the person that would, you know, meet with the administration, kind of talk about our class. What can we do? What fundraisers can we do? Getting things approved, right? That sort of thing. So it was, yeah. it was great. I mean, I learned learned a lot, and and that definitely kind of propelled me early on um, in that leadership role. You know, to mention I was a quarterback. Yeah. So I was a captain on the basketball team. I ran track. So I did a lot of things that I where I was kind of more of a leadership role for sure, um, sports wise and academics.
0: So. Yeah. I uh, growing up, you know, I, I'd asked you for me. I grew up playing. Obviously, soccer. That was my main primary sport, what I excelled in, I guess. But uh, I did cross country, track. I was a 400, 800, and a mile runner. Uh, I went from 400 and then I got older, got moved to 800. Yeah, uh, The sprinters got faster. Uh, I, I, I definitely was more endurance over speed. Um, it went to the mile. Um, I did play football. I was a slot receiver, but at that point, slot receivers were not the better receivers. Uh, now I, I wish I would live in the West Walker days. Right. Um, of course, soccer, as I mentioned, I played club uh, Olympic development and then um, in our high school, but in, in involvement at the squad did Stu co key club fellowship of Christian athletes. Right. I was an FCA too. And a lot of that was not, I, I like leadership just to be part of leadership. I, I hungered for the whole politics of, running and campaigning now I realize that's marketing. Um, yeah. but I really just did it cause all my friends that were my close knit circle of friends, they were doing it. So I was like, oh, let's do it together. And so it was almost another outlet of social life was to just have fun. And sometimes we got to go on trips to like San Antonio. If you're a part of the Stuco, or, you know, we got to do some of the extra things or the, I always like the, uh, not the accolades, but the ability, like, like, Getting involved uh, a lot of times helped with our interaction with teachers, like yeah. it helped with grades. And um, I, I like being treated a little differently in the sense because you're involved and right. teachers saw that you're involved. And um, and that, of course, that carried me into college. I got same thing, got involved. Uh, I was not a collegiate athlete, but I got involved in intramurals. Uh, but also led me to my first job. And in, in high school and college, I was a bus boy at a restaurant in Fort Worth. Uh, but my first what I, job, I think I really learned a lot was working at Academy and I was a, over the golf uh, department. Oh, wow. All right. I had never played golf. Yeah. I didn't know anything about golf, um, but I could sell anything in the golf department. And that was what my manager told me is fake it till you make it kind right. of thing it was act like, you know what you're doing. Um, and so I always had a, a great time and that's pre YouTube and pre social media. So people could believe what I was selling.
1: Yeah. I mean, golf is one of those technical sports too. I mean, you've kind of got to know what, what driver someone's looking for and the length of the, you know, everything. I and mean, there's a lot of little details that the golfers are really. Yeah. Into.
0: Yeah. So I mean, that, that really, I learned, I love sales at right. that moment and I loved, um, I hated inventory because that was the part at the end of the night I had to do. Um, uh, but I really learned that I love sales and interaction with people. um, but what about you? What was your first kind of gig job that kind of kicked off your your hustle of, of uh, money? My and-
1: first job was uh, after my sophomore year in high school. I worked at the local elementary school on the maintenance crew. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mowed the grass, painted the swing sets, changed every single light bulb in the school almost. Nice. Um, repaired walls, repaired, um, what are they called? Back then they were chalkboards. Desks. I mean, I did all the maintenance stuff, making $365 an hour. Nice. I was doing big. Did that for two summers. That was pretty, you know, it was a good first job because I had a little bit of money in my pocket now, finally. Um, after I graduated high school, I worked at an ice company huh. there at Canyon Lake. It's called the Canyon Lake Ice Hole. We would spend an hour every morning, like in full-on like winter clothes in the freezer, like bagging bags of ice, like eight pound bags of ice. And we'd stack them on these pallets and we'd wrap them all up. And so we could get like three or four pallets a morning done in one hour. And then the rest of the day I would deliver ice all around Canyon Lake uh, to all the river outfitters and tubers. That's you know, cool. Like, you know, New Braunfels down along River Road and stuff. So that job really was kind of like a, I was 17. I graduated high school. I was 17. I was driving an ice truck, like a legit ice <laughs> truck, like full of like tons of ice in the back. Uh, my coworker was a 35 year old man. Nice. This was like his job. I was <laughs> yeah. just doing it for the summer before I went to college, but it was crazy because the boss he let me take all the money. I drove the truck, and I had this 35 year old assistant with me that would. Mm-hmm. He didn't let him touch the money. He didn't let him do anything. Like I was in charge at 17, kind of run the show. So that was kind of a neat deal because I was driving all throughout the hill country delivering ice. I worked every single day that summer. I remember counting up; like I worked 98 days in a row. I didn't take one day off, weekends included. Yeah. Because we would hit overtime, like I hit overtime on Thursday, and then we we're getting time and a half. I was making four bucks an hour at this job, oh, so nice. I was making like six dollars from Thursday through Sunday. Yeah. And he paid us with a check every Monday morning, so it was really, really good. Little, yeah. little, little good. I was made a lot of money right well, before. It, I went the, the thing
0: college. about hindsight, you look back right now, like your your son Max, like. And my 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 kids, right, or even my students that I taught that are not too long. It's just amazing. Like, would kids today do the jobs that we did? Like the expectations and the freedoms and the responsibilities we had back then, they don't have. You know, it's like it's yeah. like that'd be a, a lawsuit waiting to happen it's today. A lot harder, yeah. You know, I look back, and my first like gig that was similar to what you're saying, like took on a lot of responsibility. Um, I was working at a church in Fort Worth. Is off Berry Street. So anyone listening that knows Fort Worth. This was by the original um, Fuzzy's Taco uh, down the street at large church, Eastberry, uh, really close to I-35, and I was kind of like you. I was in maintenance, and so I was making whatever minimum wage, $4 at that yeah. point, uh, which I thought was great, and I would walk around in my little blue-colored uh, button-up Dickies shirt and whatever pants I had, and I would go in and do whatever, like drywall, paint, change yeah. out. My, my favorite thing was taking the the uh, lights and going to the compost and, like, hearing it pop real loud. Yeah, right. But then at night, I transitioned from that role to security. And you got to think, I was a 17, maybe 18-year-old right. guy uh, in an area that did have gangs. And uh, we were at an intersection where there was two different – Uh, groups, one on the north side, one on the uh, south side, and I would go between the the youth uh, area that was across the street, and then I would have to go lock all the doors from, you know, when the the different services were over, and then go across the street to the church, do the same thing, and uh, all the way up till midnight, I was doing this. And there was multiple times you'd hear noises or cars pull up, and it was my job to tell them, go, shoot, get, get away. Yeah. And I I look back, I can't believe that they allowed me to do that. The
1: things I was doing at 17, like driving that ice truck down River Road and like people like everywhere, like, and I'd pull into like one of those outfitter store places and there were like hundreds of people like in bikinis and like beer and just like, it was just wild, a wild scene. Here I am 17. We would go to Green Hall, same thing. Like we'd go on a Saturday night and they'd need ice. Yeah, I couldn't, you know, we'd have to back the truck in there and I'd be delivering ice. Everybody's getting ready to watch whoever was going to come on (laughs) at Green Hall. We're rolling the big you know, deal of ice through there. Yeah. Crazy stuff that I can't imagine, like some high schoolers trying to manage now. Cause I was, you know, having to take charge and like move people and like, you know, Hey,
0: what, but here's the cool part of that job. What band did you see while you're having to, to work?
1: Well, that was when I was 17. So I probably had no idea. I mean, that could have <laughs> been, I probably missed George could've Strait. There, been, there was Willie Nelson. Yeah. There are probably tons of people that I, wasn't really paying attention to at the time. Probably but like, uh, who's that
0: guy, long hair and skinny? it wasn't Bell
1: Biv DeVoe. Yeah. Know, I didn't know who they were back then, <laughs> or Bobby Brown.
0: You catch them smoking a little bit in the back? Uh, you never know. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I had another job at Whitewater Sports at one of those river outfitters. I did all kinds of stuff. That was a wild job, too. You know, patching canoes, driving the shuttles. Um, no. This was like a college job. And you know, working the campground, cleaning the campground. so... Work with a lot of really interesting folks down there at Canyon Lake, yeah. so that's 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 one thing I think that kind of ties on that, that's helped me throughout you know just everyday life. Now is just the different types of people that you you know, you run into and you have to work with and you're forced to work with and get along with, even if you don't see eye to eye. Um, just learning how to you know deal with different people that aren't like you sometimes, right? That's right? The, that's the real world, so that's sure. a good. So, and
0: as similar, you know, I'm not going to repeat what you just said, cause you said it perfectly, you know, is all those experiences for you, for me, I mentioned academy, working at a restaurant, working at a church. Uh, I had uh, I worked at the YMCA. I mean, there's so many jobs I, I, I always wanted to work. So even, uh, in the summers I worked 40 plus hours a week, not because I had to, my parents were amazing. Uh, they took care of me. Uh, I was blessed, but my dad said, I will take care of you if you work. Right. It's like you have to earn your keep Um, and also help me learn to manage time. Right. So I'd go from school to athletics to typically, you know, student council functions. I would still hang out with my friends, um, still play pickup basketball at night, go to work, come back, do it all over again. Right. It's just uh, for me, learning how to deal with people, interact with people, older, younger, different skill sets, different personalities. You and I probably similar, different work ethics than we have because we both work hard. Um, But how did that get you into like your first real job? Like what, what was your first post-college gig that you had that um, kind of kicked off your career?
1: Yeah. So in college I worked, I'll just real briefly mention this, but I worked at the YWCA uh, like it's after school care. Mm-hmm. So then I was in charge of like 20 something, 30 something kids nice. every afternoon for three hours until their yeah. parents got there. So being responsible for children, playing sports with them and stuff really kind of got me. I was already an education uh, major by that time. Okay, Geography was my was my main point of study. I wanted to coach. But yeah, my first job um was in Garland, Texas it's crazy because my senior year in college, I hadn't done my student teaching yet. And so I went to Garland, just drove straight during spring break. I went to the, the, uh, the school, I guess, athletic director's office. I just walked in. I didn't have an appointment or anything. I'm like, is the athletic director here? And she's like, the secretary is like, well, actually, yeah, he's in a meeting right now, but here, I'll walk you in there. So I walk into the meeting. It's the athletic director of Garland, which is Homer B. Johnson. He's yeah. in a stadium named after him. He's <laughs> like a legend in Texas. He's there. There's, Four other the high school head football coaches are there. Wow. One of the head, a couple of the head basketball coaches for Garland. It was a big district back then. The lady walks me in and she's like, uh, this young man is here to talk to the athletic director. I'm like, oh, crud. What I <laughs> so I walk in, I introduce myself, and I say, My name's Jeb Madelich." And one of the coaches sitting at the table looks over and he's like, Are you Joe's son? I'm like, Yes, sir. He's like, My name's Garland Nichols. He's like, me and your daddy coached together at Pampa. You were like a little bitty dude. You were like in third grade. I'm like, oh, yes, sir. I remember. He's like, and then he looked back at the athletic director. (laughs) Athletic director said, boy, I'm going to get you a job. There you go. That was it. I mean, it was just a a weird, like a run in. I came, I showed up, happened to be a coach in there that coached with my dad, like years and years ago when I was a little kid. That was enough to impress on the AD to like, he called me Zeb. He didn't know my name. Yeah. And he's like, all right, Zeb, we're going to get you a job. And he found me a job. I mean, I had a job and I didn't have to do student teaching. So I was able to get a job at a middle school there and start coaching. But yeah. that's just kind of one of those weird situations where the right timing, people who, you know, for sure, played out big. And but, the same thing happened when I got to Frisco, too, it was all about who I knew.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. Well, this, you know, when I taught that independent study class, uh, that was always a lesson I taught my students is, they were they were highly academic, <laughs> you know. As you know, they're like perfect SATs, ACTs, everything. I was not in high school, uh, but I always told them it's not what you know. Many times, it's who you know, yeah. and it's not just who you know, but it's the impact you had on their life, like the credibility through your hard work, your involvement. So naturally, the more you're involved, the more you do, the more people you interact. Of course, the the harder you work, and the the, you're, you're not the thorn in someone's side, but the person that people can look into, look at, uh, trust, uh, the more opportunities that you might have Uh career, but it's just all kinds of life. Right. Uh, for me, you know, at, in college, uh, I had multiple things, like I said earlier, but the one job that really sticks out is I, at, it was a church, a Trinity church. And it's kind of funny how this worked out. I, my girlfriend, who's now my wife invited me to go. I went to a different church, uh, different denomination, everything like that. And so I, she took me and right when we walked in, we like doubled the college ministry just cause we had oh, wow. a, like a posse of right. people, uh, from my fraternity, her sorority and all that. And, uh, the guy's like the, the guy who ended up marrying us, Adam, outstanding human, uh, a mentor of mine. Um, he, he was like, Hey, do you want to be an intern? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, obviously you have a lot of friends and you know a lot of people and you like marketing. You could help me do some marketing. I was like, how much does it get paid? He said, it doesn't get paid at all. Like, Ugh, okay. I'll. And so I kept on mowing lawns to make money in college, but then took this job because I knew it would look good on my resume. Yeah. And so, and I had no desire to be in the ministry, right? Like it was totally a marketing job for a future marketing job. Uh, in that, get to the point, I actually ended up becoming the college director because he moved over into a different area. And so then I started speaking on our college nights to you know 500 to 1,000 students. We put on big events on, on campus. I also became the director of marketing. And so I'm still a college student doing this at a church that has 3,000 plus people. I also helped put on the Easter service, which as you know, in the church world, it's a big deal. And it was at the United Spirit Arena. So then I got to interact with United Spirit Arena staffing and the uh, Lubbock, the journal, uh, doing all these marketing campaigns and helping plan these events. And I'm still, what, 21 years old uh, doing this. Great. And that experience, I worked really hard, got really good friends with the board of elders. And I really learned how to work with older people, uh, rather than people, my age, that became my first career out of college. I just kept with it. I did love it. Um, but it's amazing. I, I share that because my first career job out of Lubbock was at a marketing agency in in Dallas. And it was a guy's book that I read. He contacted the church and said, Hey, this guy's young. Tell me about him." Yeah. And they're like, you know, they, they spoke very highly of me and they, they said what I was good at, probably what I wasn't good at. Um, but he hired me to do a job that was definitely for someone that was well, more experienced, but it was because of those experiences I had even at a young age and because of how I did it and how I interact with older people, I could act older than my age. And so that's actually what got me to Dallas. My wife and I then got married and, you know, moved to Dallas, which opened the door to, uh, getting into education later on. So, I mean, it's just amazing. I, I, like you mentioned, it's just who, you know, opportunities and how I impacted those people, how that kind of guided and directed well, me even to you where come I'm to at.
1: Frisco, I think it wasn't it? your brother-in-law knew the coach. Yeah. That was here in Frisco. And then yeah, I overheard you at a restaurant we're, and then we're
0: you, sitting there at Campese's, you know, I was like eating pizza, drinking probably that time. I, I don't even know if I was drinking alcohol yet. I'll still, I'll still in, in tune to my, my, uh, my ministry world. And so we're just sitting there hanging out and, yeah, Coach Mullins overheard us talking, and um, from there I got a job in FISD. It's
1: crazy because Coach Mullins, I knew him in Garland, and then yeah. I got a job from a, one of my old buddies from college was interviewing in a new middle school in Frisco, and he yeah. was staying with me in my apartment right? and my wife, and then he's like, oh, he went towards his interview, and he's like, dude, you got to come to Frisco. Yeah. It's a brand-new middle school. I'm the first hire. Yeah. I know the assistant principal because he's coming with me from Sweetwater. And so then it just all worked out. And like I had an interview the next week it's and amazing. I was, and then Coach Mullins is the head coach and yeah. I used to interact with him. And it's just, it's just weird. All those connections in the webs of people that, but another th- thing that's important is you don't want to burn bridges because yeah. you never know kind of who. Who's who's coming up the pipeline, you know, down the down the road that you're gonna interact with and you're gonna be like, oh, that's a person that I've already worked with or known. So if it was an issue where you maybe maybe didn't get along with somebody or you had a bad breakup, yeah. That's that's definitely some advice I would give people. And I know you hear it a lot, but definitely don't burn bridges with people. Try and stay on good terms, you know, cordial terms with people, um, because you never know. Well, we, down the road. I mean, you think that
0: same concept applies to your personal life, but also think about just, in, I mean, getting into tumble with textiles, how many times people, uh, retailers have ripped you off, they copy your design. And of course, we would, <laughs> We, you and I both are very competitive, very like, we protect each other. Yeah. Uh, we got each other back and uh, we go on Twitter, Facebook, we'd both like, come on. Yeah. And, and eventually we learned, don't burn that bridge. Right. So we got better about that and a lot of times those retailers became our retailers yeah. rather than our enemy.
1: Right. Find a way around kind of how we can work together rather than yeah. you know, butt heads and things. But yeah, that's that's definitely something that well when
0: you think about us, you know, it's I mean, how do we come together? You know, we we talk about all these things in our past and we're gonna obviously come bring us all back together in summary in a moment, but you know, you and I were sitting at Liberty High School minding our business, listening probably to Dr. Waldrop our the, at that time, our principal, now the superintendent, we found some common uh, connection between us and Texas tech that probably got us into talking about football and all the different things that we did. We realized, yeah, we might be different ages, but we have a lot of the same interests. And at that point it wasn't alcohol or concerts. It was probably Texas tech football coach Leach or Michael Crabtree or whatever was going on at that point. Mm-hmm. And even our history Is what connected us, even indirectly. And that got us back to your room, and I got to see uh, in your classroom your art and what you're doing. And it's just amazing to see, like, your skill set that was in your journal that you had no clue what that would even do for you was the entry point into Tumbleweed Textiles as we know it. And it was all the things that you'd been working on, even for fun, as a passion project in your notebook.
1: Right. I think, yeah, I'm a big firm believer of like everything happens for a reason kind of deal. Like yeah. I think our, our paths crossed. Uh, but I mean, if you look back at at your life, it, of all the things that have happened, just kind of the building blocks and the connections that have been made, whether it's, you know, personal or through business, it all just kind of has its reasoning Right, You know, because if you, I mean, you've never, if you'd never had Coach Mullins, you know, overhearing conversation, you wouldn't have been at Liberty. You would never met me. We would never started Tumbleweed. I mean, you can do that. You can say that about a lot of things in in little instances, but I just really think that God puts people in certain areas and places for connections to be made and for things to happen. And you just may not always see it, but... I strongly encourage people to kind of keep their eyes open and uh, alert to certain situations and moments. Yeah. Uh, and then if you have that little inchling to, you know, say something or make that first move or, or do something, I think it's, it's an intentional kind of push
0: for sure. And I, you know, you're nailing it. It's like with our team uh, when I was a teacher, uh, I'm sure one day I'll give this, uh, this uh, advice to my, my, my sons is, sometimes it's e- you want to focus ahead it goes back to the management is like you want to know where you want to be because that defines what you do right so if you want to be a super bowl champion it's gonna you're gonna work a little bit harder in the weight room and on the field you might practice more and do more than the others so you want to know where you're going but don't be so focused on the destination that you forget about the moment and understand and have faith that everything you do there's going it's going to all come around full circle and many times you need to stop and look back to appreciate appreciate where you are because you'll see the failures, the relationships, the the different things that you've gone through in life and realize, well, okay, all that ha- had a reason and a purpose, at least for me, that gives me a lot of faith moving forward to know, okay, it all comes full circle. It all ends up working out in the end, but all we can control is what we do now. Work hard. Um, as Liberty used to say, be nice, be kind, be generous, um, create your pillars. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's your character. Uh, and as long as you worry about those things at all, you know, like I said, and you said, it, it all always works out. Um, we have a friend, uh, JB, uh, from Texas humor and, uh, he, he has a LinkedIn, uh, and actually, you know, we talked about this yesterday, but he had a comment and I think it's, great as uh your skills are always applicable to other industries. And so as you're moving ahead, like for you soon to retire from education, if that's the next few years or so, is all the things you've accumulated in education in Tumwe Textiles in all these previous jobs, your organizations in high school, the youth sports, these lessons learned, all, right. all those have prepared you for the next step of your journey.
1: For sure. And I think, you know, most people at the time they don't realize you know, the skills that they may just think it's like a monotonous job and they're doing the same thing and they, and they get it under their belt and they feel confident about it. But then they move to another job and they're like, well, I've, you know, for me, like I'm, you know, here in a few minutes, I'll be back at school right? and I'll be wrangling up 30, you know, students, you know, yeah. between the ages of 15 and 18, you know, and yeah. like getting them to, to do something. So that's a skill to where, you know a leadership skill, a teaching skill to where that could be something that would translate into the business world or anything else. I mean, that's, but it's just something I just know it's just second nature to me. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, the things that we've learned that, and that goes back to, you know, when I worked at the Y, you know, wrangling yeah. up my students at summer camp and like just those little things, they all kind of build on each other for sure.
0: You know, it's like in the analogy, I'm sure you've seen it probably on some TikTok, but like take a cup of water, right? And a drip is just a little drip, but it takes many drips to make a cup of, co- you know, a cup of water full. Um, and I think if you have the mindset of every little thing that you do can add up to be a lot, and that's either going to be for the good or for the bad, um, that changes at least my mindset of how I interact with every human. Because you never know. I mean, for us, and there's going to be many podcasts in the future, we discuss other stories. But when you look at the people you and I both know, over our history that have open doors or maybe is my like my good example Trent Shelton a good friend of mine from middle school and high school um, it was pretty cool the other day he was doing a live feed and, and I mean he has two million followers oh right cow. and I was on this live feed I popped in just to watch him on Instagram he's like my nickname was b-dog so he's like what's up b-dog yeah. and he gave me this shout out and of course then all of a sudden they were talking about I should be the kicker I used to be a kicker and so okay. they're they're kind of roasting the cowboys a little bit and, uh, but it's, it's funny cause that story at one point was just Ch- Trent Shelton, a middle school kid. That was my friend. No one expected him to be the guy he is today. And it's amazing how that relationship with him actually helped launch my wife's photography business because of a girl he was dating at that time. And then he was an asset to us and tumbleweed in a, in a way, cause I did give him a shirt at one point. He wore it. He knew people, he's helped me out. And, and, you know, with you, there's many same, same examples, like with your dad and people he knew or relationships you had, it's just, you never know, you don't use people for those reasons, but you just never know when it all comes full circle, even with relationships and people for jobs, for life, could be someone that is there to give you advice. You just, whatever, you know, you just never know. And so every little thing, every little reaction, interaction with people could add up to be life-changing down the road.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So that's like we said, don't burn bridges. You know, try to be kind to everybody. Even li- if you don't like somebody, you know, at least be cordial and, and, you know, don't burn that bridge that, that may cost you later. For sure. Now, with you looking ahead,
0: um, you know, where you're at in the stage of life that you're in, kind of pinpointing specifically to the, let's say, 20 to 25 year old audience. Is there besides don't burn a bridge and um, you know the relationships thing that we said? Is there a tip or two that you would give someone entering their first career um, of just perspective of life?
1: Yeah, I mean, don't be scared to work. You know, put in the work, uh, work hard, do the right thing, go above and beyond, kind of make that impression. Um, you don't want to be the person that's you know I hear high school kids all the time like oh I got a new job and then a week later like oh I quit. Yeah. I so I'm like, well, you need to build something, you know, show that you're, that's one of the biggest things I think with the young, they want to jump yeah. from job to job, you know, kind of establish yourself, make those relationships, prove, prove that you're a hard worker, that you can do the, the job. And then also be eager enough to like take on new roles and then try and, you know, spin that into maybe a promotion or you know, yeah. an upgrade in your job, you know, and let the, the people that are managing you see those skills. And then, like I said, we said earlier, get to know those people and they can put in a good word for you, you know, moving down the road. Right. And that's what sure. I would suggest.
0: Yeah. You know, for me, I think it's a not necessarily directly answering that question, but it's like, internships. Like don't be scared to invest in maybe a free internship, maybe you don't get paid now, but it might set you up to get paid a whole lot later is Marcus, this guy named Marcus Buckingham. He has a book. It's uh, playing to your strengths. And in our society, uh, you know, the thing about school, you a lot of times focus on your weaknesses. Hey, I'm not good at this. Okay. You need to work extra hard on that to bring up your grade. And I think a lot of times people then do that in life is they focus, even emotionally on what they're not good at. But Try to find something that you're good at and passionate about. Don't worry about the other stuff and then get really good at it, even if you have to work for free. And, you know, it's like you with being an artist is the more you practice and get better, the more confidence you have, but also the better your skill will be. And I'm sure 20 years ago you had absolutely no clue that you might be an art teacher that then now has your own junkie trinkets, mixed media art, as well as the ability to have tumbleweed textiles and be of course, this is me saying it, but, you know, a renowned, a very well-respected Texas artist. And so it's just, like you said, work hard, but be willing to sacrifice yeah. along the way. I
1: think sacrifice is definitely a big deal. Well, shoot, man, we've covered a lot today. Yeah. I yeah. think, uh, I mean, told some good stories and stuff, but I mean, it's just kind of tying everything back together. It's just a lot of the things that you do as a, as a young child, uh through your work career whether it's when in high school college or your first few jobs you just never know what's going to happen and yeah. then kind of where that where that path is going to lead so take advantage of every moment um take advantage of every relationship um, cuz it it could come back and then you're always going to learn and just you know be kind of open minded to always be learning i guess you can yeah. say
0: it's like so. destiny and purpose is defined by what you do at the moment you're in yeah. take advantage of it
1: all right I think we'll end on that. That's a good quote. So, Carpe diem. Appreciate you guys listening in. Y'all have a great week, and uh, we'll see you soon.
0: Yes, sir. Hey, have fun getting back to work.
1: I will. I will. Monday, baby.